Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Okay, no, 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 no. We are not going to start off the year like that. How is everybody doing today? That's what I'm talking about. While, while we're in a woo mood, why don't we welcome in our Sherwood campus with a big round of applause. If you don't know what Sherwood is, Sherwood is our South Augusta campus, and they are absolutely, I'm talking about killing it down there. God is doing some great things. Last week, between the two campuses, we baptized over 30, 35 people, but eight of them were down at the Sherwood campus. That's amazing to me, and so uh, good stuff down there. Um, you guys survived. 2023, you made it, and so give yourself a big round of applause for making it. So last week, I, I, I opened with a question, and I realized that a lot of people weren't here last week, though we had amazing crowds, and like I said, the baptism, all that, but I opened up the whole day with a question, and I would like to do the same with us here today, because lots of us, as a matter of fact, how many people made New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand, you made New Year's resolutions. Last week, I was a little hard on you if you made a New Year's resolution, I said, Why? because it's been proven that you probably will not keep a New Year's resolution. Um, I went to the gym this past week. I've been going since October or so. I went to the gym this past week and I'm sitting in the gym and I couldn't get on any of the machines. All the free weights were taken and I turned to the guy that I work out with and I said, what is going on here? He said, just relax, they'll be gone in February. And so I'm like, perfect, like get them out. Like I shouldn't say that. But I asked this question and I would like to pose it to us because I really feel like a lot of us are trying to make resolutions on that. And resolutions, I feel like, are short-term, where the things we're going to talk about over the next five weeks are long-term. Uh, there's a big difference between a resolution and a rhythm. And we're going to talk about rhythms. Rhythm is when you, you sustain, you're intentional, you're moving in a certain direction. But last week, I asked the question. Here's the question. What do you want to look like in five years? What do you want to look like? Not, not, not like, you know, a nose job or anything. What, but seriously, like... like Physically, physically, there was four categories I put them in. Physically, what do you want? What do you want to look like? I mean, do you want to maybe lose some weight? Do you want to, you know, maybe maybe take better care of yourself? Do you want to eat better? Do you want to? In five years, when you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you want to see? Maybe you're running a marathon. Maybe you're, you know, you're super into weightlifting or whatever it is. What do you want to look like? Are you doing the things that are going to get you there? Because majority of the time, what happens is we go the other direction, don't we? We put on a little bit more weight, we lose a little bit more hair, we get a little bit more gray, we do all that kind of stuff, right? And the second category was this. How would you like your, your relationships to look? The, 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 the relationships you have, your, maybe your marriage, you see your marriage growing and going in a certain direction. In five years, like, like we could be able to teach classes on marriage, we can be doing, or do you see it going the other way? And I made a comment, and this is just reality, and I'm sorry to, sometimes I gotta present reality, but five years from now, some of the marriages are sitting in this room watching online won't even be here. It's because we're not doing the rhythms, we're, we're making resolutions, we're talking about it, we're not, we're, not, we're not in study together, we're not in counseling together, we're not doing the things that God wants, we're not praying together, all those things. So I asked the question, what, what do you want your relationships, your relationships with your kids? What do you want your relationships with your kids to look like in five years? We, we are in a great time of our life. We're empty nesters. Um, if you haven't gotten that point yet, try it. It's, it's great. Like, it's great. But now we're like grandparents and like, okay, so how does that gonna, what do I wanna look like in five years as a grandparent? What, what do I wanna look like? What do I want that relationship with my, my grandson and my future grandchildren? Somebody say amen to that. 
What, what do I want to look like? Okay, and then the third category is this, finances. What do you want your finances to look like? You know, maybe right now you're maxed out on all your credit cards and you're, you're in debt up to your, you know, your, your eyeballs. But you know, in five years, I really want to be out of debt. I want to be, I want to be doing something. Where I want to be able to give, and one of the things that you guys are, this church is, I can never, ever, ever complain about this church. That's why we don't do the little, the little thing, you know, the little barometer here. And like, like the most generous group of people I've ever been around in my life are in this room right here, go to the first service or part of our faith community. Like the, a need pops up. I, I found out we, we're doing this trailer thing and actually we're going to probably execute, be able to execute this week, but where I thought we needed like $12,000, we get $12,000. We, 20 came in and then some more came in. And then the end of the, it's like, I'm, I'm like, I'm going, you gotta be kidding me. God, you're so, you're so amazing. God, what do you want your fund? Do you want to be an extravagant generosity type of person? What do, what do you want? Or do you, are you okay with just being in debt the rest of your life? Are you, are, are you okay? Like not ever retire? What does that look like? And the fourth category was this one and it was spiritual life. What do, you, what do you want your spiritual life to look like? In, in five years, when you look in the mirror, do you want to be a person that's reading God's word? Do you want to be a person that's maybe teaching a class? Do you want to be in, in some type of deep stuff? What, what do you want to be involved in? Or are you okay just the way you are? And here's one of the, the tragedies. And I said this last week, the tragedies is I look around sometimes and I go, where, where are they at? Like there's certain people that have walked into the doors of the church and then where are they at right now? You know, and, and what happened is they didn't have a five-year plan. They didn't have a, a rhythm in their lives of doing the spiritual things. And so they, they peel away. And it starts out way. they miss one weekend, and then they miss two weekends, and then they miss three weekends, and then they stop. You know, it just all of a sudden, they're just, they're, where are they at right now? And I don't think that's anybody in this room. I don't believe it's anybody that's watching online. We want to have an amazing relationship with Jesus that we're, we're pursuing him and moving forward. But unless you develop, unless I develop rhythms in my life, we'll never get there. And so we're gonna talk about rhythms a little bit. Now listen, some of you are going, oh man, these rhythms sound. Everybody in this room does rhythms already. How many people got up this morning? How many people went right to brushing your teeth? Okay, how many people went right to the nectar of the gods, the coffee pot? Okay, so that's my rhythm. And then I grab my iPad and I, I do a devotion first thing in the morning. We have rhythms, right? Everybody has rhythms. You, how many people, how many people, like even the simplest things, how many people are put your left shoe on first people? Really? How many people put a right shoe on first? How many pe people put them all in the same time? They just jump into them. <laughs> I was going to ask how many people put their left in their underwear, but we'll just go pants. How many people put their, 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 their left leg in the pants first? Okay, weird. Okay, how many people put their right leg in? All right, how many people just jump into the pants? It's fantastic. Usually a cranium problem after that too. You know, you usually bang your head on something, right? So you have rhythm. Listen, if you work outside the house, you have rhythms, right? You go, there's certain things you do. You may stop and get a Starbucks, but you go the same way unless there's traffic. You go the same way to work. Hey, listen, and some of you go, well, I work at home. You have rhythms too. You do the same things. You go maybe to the coffee pot first, and then you go to your little office area. You go the same direction. You, do, you, you have rhythms. Everybody in this room has rhythms. And so as we're talking about these things, I was thinking about this. Duke University said 45% of everything we do in our day, 45% of everything we do in our day is a rhythm. It's a habit. Now, this was a thought. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. Some of, some of, the, some of the rhythms we have are really good rhythms, right? And I was thinking, I made a list of some, some of the good rhythms, like exercising regularly. How many people say that's a good rhythm to have, right? It's a good rhythm. Even, even if you're not doing it, you'd, you'd probably say that's a good rhythm to have. Uh, here's one, scheduling weekly. If you're married, scheduling weekly date nights with your spouse. That's a really good, some of you are going, oh boy, I'm in trouble now. No, 
Put it in there. Do it. Develop a rhythm. Watch what happens. Sleeping eight hours a night is a great rhythm. I don't do it. I can't do it. 4.35 o'clock, I'm like, right? Meeting with your community group. One of the things we're going to talk about in these rhythms, we're going to talk about community next week. And if you're not in a community group, I'm going to challenge you to get that rhythm in your life because you can't make it through life without community. I was, I was talking to one of our elders, a friend of ours is going through a tragedy, a, a real a sickness. It's, you know, we, we don't know how it's going to happen. And he's kind of withdrawn from community. You know, you, it's hard to leave community. When you're in community, it's hard to leave it. And it's hard to, people will not let you go and, and be by yourself. Nobody was ever designed to go through life by themselves. Do you know that? So that's a rhythm. How about this rhythm? How about just a rhythm of, of reconciling your budget each month? Maybe giving is a, a rhythm that you, you haven't instilled in your life. Or maybe saving or maybe somehow or another spending responsibly. They're all good rhythms, right? But how about the bad rhythms? How about this one? Unlock your phone as soon as you wake up in the morning. That's not a good rhythm. They, 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 show, they show it causes headaches and all kinds of problems when the f- first thing you do is not only that, but you're kind of pushing everything else to the side. How about this one? Eating something after every meal, like you have a sweet or you have something else. So my wife, I love her. She's in the back room. She can make this thing go black in a minute if she wanted to. But she, this is what she says to me. I'll get done eating. Like last night we had chicken, grilled chicken salad, and I got done eating grilled chicken salad. And, and she didn't do this last night, but I did. And I went right for the pretzels right after dinner. And she goes, you can't be hungry. No, I'm not. I'm bored. <laughs> and I want some pretzels or I want something else. Bad habit, right? How about this? Just, we are going to have a, a small group based around this. How many people hit the snooze alarm? Ra- raise your hands real high. Be proud of it. If you're going to annoy everybody else in your house, be proud at least. Right? If you're going to make a scene, be seen. That's what I was told, make a scene, be seen. But the, you know what? That, that drives everybody else in the house crazy, doesn't it? And then attend, you have a tendency to be late and you have a tendency to be all, it, it's just, it's a bad, it's a bad rhythm. How about this constantly? So I had to put one of mine in here just because I didn't want y'all thinking I was perfect. Okay. But how many people f- scroll Facebook marketplace or Amazon looking for something you really don't need and probably don't, you can't afford it either. Probably. Right. Oh, oh that's a, look at that golf club. I got four other ones that do just as, but that one right there, right? The, the bad rhythms. A- experts agree to this, okay? Uh, and you've probably heard somebody say this, and it's not true, but they say it takes 21 days to develop a habit or a rhythm. It's not 21 days. Actually, it's 66 days. The reason they say 66, that's the average. And it's the average between two numbers, and these numbers are kind of staggering. It's between 18 and, and 254 days. It takes between 18 and 200, depending on your personality and what that is. So the average is 66. So 66, 66 days. And you know where it all starts with all of us? Day one. You don't get to 66, you don't get to 18, you don't get to two, whatever, unless you do day one. And so what we're gonna be doing is all of us are gonna be doing day ones in our, in our spiritual life as we're developing these rhythms. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this rhythm of, of reading God's word and, and how important that is, how important it is to read. But there's a Spanish proverb that I, I love. I've fallen in love with this one. It said, it said, habits are first cobwebs and then they're cables. They're first cobwebs and then they're cables. And here's my thought. I was thinking about it all week long. Like, that's great if that, 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 that habit or that rhythm's good, right? You want to strengthen the cable. You want to take it from a, a cobweb to a cable of those things that are good. You know, the, like the eating right and the healthy and developing great relationships. We want to strengthen those. But the bad ones, you know what we want to do? We want to cut them. We want to sever 
And we want to sever those things in two so they're not binding us into everything that's going on in our lives. So today we're going to talk about the rhythm. This one rhythm I think is probably the most important it's a starting point. The rhythm of reading God's word. Like developing a strategy of being in God's word. And we're going to be, we have a big challenge at the end that we're all going to do as a faith community. It's going to be really good. But let me just give you a couple, just a couple things about the Bible that you should know about. Because the Bible is a very unique book. As a matter of fact, it's the bestseller of all time of every book that's ever been written. So that's, that's pretty powerful. It's also the most attacked. It was written... It was written in three original languages, Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew, okay? It was written by about 40 different authors, so 40 different people had their hand in this, and they say the period is anywhere between 1,200 and 1,400 years, 1,400 years, we'll say 1,400 years, but here's the really cool thing. It all comes together to say one thing, and it's to introduce the star of the show, and the star of the show is Jesus. So everything in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, everything in the Bible, even the Songs of Solomon, which everybody thinks is a love story between Solomon and his lover, everything's leading us to this Jesus that came and we celebrated a couple weeks ago, right? So that's what it's all about. So why should we, why should we as believers, why should we get involved in reading and getting involved in a rhythm of reading God's word regularly? Let's, let's go to 2 Timothy. I'm gonna read a lot of scripture today. I feel like we're gonna talk about the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible and use the Bible as our source of, our source of reference, okay? So you're not gonna hear a lot of philosophy. You're gonna hear a lot. Well, you may hear a little bit, but you're gonna hear a lot of scripture, okay? 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Now, we're gonna get through a couple of verses that may not seem like they fit, but you'll understand why. why. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others, and they themselves will be deceived. Now watch verse 14. It takes a really cool turn, right? But you will remain faithful to the things that you have been, say that word with me, taught. Okay, if you have an analog Bible, I want you to underline that word. That's a really, really, really important word in this passage of scripture. So uh, this is uh, the, the things that you've taught. Verse 15, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures. So now we're saying this is what we've been taught. The Holy Scriptures. Now pause for a scripture. Just this holy, this isn't, that, just, this isn't some ancient writing that some, some person off the street wrote. These are the holy writings. These are the ones, and we're gonna learn uh, the, the power they have. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. Watch, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. So that, that, that over 1,400 years, the 66 books, the three different languages, the 40 different authors, all of that right there has been inspired by God. That's why it's so important. It's inspired by God. It's, it's a love story. It's, the, it's God's story to us and how creator and creation uh, get back together. So all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do or what, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now I'm reading this and last week I had a great, just I, I was doing some research on something and I came across this really cool. And I was thinking about this passage of scripture now, how scripture itself is like this. So there's this gold mine in Australia. It's been active for 40, 45 years. So they go into this mine every day and they bring out gold every day. And there's one operator that's been with them for 45, 45 years. So 45 years, it's, it's been operation 45 years he's worked there. So just in the last several months, they brought up with their thinking is the biggest rock that they've ever brought out of this mine. It weighed 198 pounds. Now, it doesn't seem like a lot when you think of some of the rocks, but watch this. 143 pounds of that were pure gold. Now, not many math people in here, and I'm not going to ask you to go to the, the stock exchange and figure out what gold prices are. I'm going to give you what they are. At 143 pounds, that's 2.6 million dollars in this one rock. 
Now, here's the really cool thing about the story. They've been digging in this same place for 45 years. They've never gotten a rock that size. And, and I was thinking to myself, that's just like God's word. I can read, and I've read probably, and I'm not saying this to exaggerate or brag. I've probably read through God's word front to back maybe 20 times, right? I've done it chronologically. I've done it, you know, different commentaries. 20, 20, 20 times. And you know what I have found out? That every time I, because it's not a novel. It's not a novel where there's a beginning and an end. This happened. Because every time you read a story in the Bible, you can read the story of Moses and you may read it a year from now and get something to Because of your life experience, what's going on in your life, what's going on in your marriage, what's going on in your business, how you're training your kids. It'll change your perspective on those things. So you read that story and it's different. And it's just like that nugget of gold. I had it happen to me last year and I used to be a really like, I used to love, 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 love studying God's word. And, and it's just, life got busy. So last year I made it a point that when I was reading scripture, I was going to ask God a couple questions. One question was, what do you want me to know out of this passage of scripture? And then what do you want me to do out of this passage of scripture? So not just like, just, oh, it's good. I read it. So I'm reading, how many people remember the story of Lazarus? Lazarus dies, okay. Has a bro, uh, two sisters, um, Martha and Mary, right? And they, they go, they, they want to get Jesus and and just the one Jesus wept and all that, you know, Jesus was sorrowful and all that. And we tell that story and I love that story. And the ultimate, at the end of the day, um, Lazarus was resurrected. That's, that's, there, that's the cliff notes of the story. Pretty good, right? Amen. Well, I'm reading it last year and I'm going, God, what do you want me to know? Because I've read this story so many times. It's like Easter. How many different ways can we tell the Easter story? Jesus resurrected. Or, or Christmas, like Christmas Eve, the birth of Jesus. You know how hard it was? So every year, God, give, give us a new... And so I asked, I asked God, what do you want me to know? And, and there's this one little line in there. And, and some of you have probably heard me say this once. There's one little line in there. Lazarus was raised from the dead. He's raised from the dead and he, he's exiting the tomb. And he's getting ready to exit the tomb. And God tells them, Jesus tells them, take off, take off the linens of death. Take off his burial clothes. And it was like a ton of bricks that we, lots of us walk through this life with our burial clothes on. Like we're still living in the past and that past sin that keeps creeping up and we're again. And until we learn to take that off, that's why second Corinthians is so powerful. It says, you're a brand new creation. The old is gone. You've taken the burial cloth off. That only happens because of God's inspired living word that cuts, it cuts and separates all that stuff. As a matter of fact, that's what scripture says in Hebrews chapter four. It says, for the word of God, I love this, is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joy and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and our desires. That's why we need to develop that rhythm of reading God's word. So when we get in those critical moments, we know what God's word says. Now, I want to give us three things today. That, that will help us. And these are the rhythms, and this, these are the, the why to the rhythm. The first thing is this, God's word, the reason we want to develop a, a rhythm of this, God's word shows us how to be right with him. And some of you may not understand what that means, but to be right with him. I, 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 over 30 years, I've done a few funerals. Um, it was about 28 years ago, I had a good friend of mine's father pass away and I was at the hospital with him. And I've shared this a couple different times in story and I don't wanna share the story so much as what happened at a funeral I did about three weeks ago or four weeks ago. But I, 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 he did this to me. This is the exact thing. I do it at every funeral. There again, 30, 30, he did this. He went. This is right before he was ready to die. Can you imagine that? So I share the story and then I go like this, I go. That's a question only you can answer. So I'm at the graveside and this is after about an hour service and at the graveside and I read 
right? I read the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I always talk about the song we just sang, surely goodness. I like, isn't it great that even in the midst of all this junk that's going on, like goodness and mercy still follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house. Of, and then I'll read Revelation 21, which is there's no more mourning and no more. So I'm walking away and it's never happened to me before. I get grabbed by the arm and I hear preacher, I need to talk to you. And I turned around and said, Bobby's my name. I, I, I don't like being called. I, I like being a preacher, but I don't want to be called. I don't, that's not my identity. And so I said, Bobby's my name. And he said, can I, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. And he goes, how do I know? And this is how powerful God's word is. All of a sudden, in that moment right there, God took me to a passage of scripture that I read probably months, maybe years ago. And, and, and it's just, it, it, it literally demonstrates how, how to be right with him. And I said, I said, young man, this is how you be right with him. And, and I start reading the scripture, and it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. It says, you have been taught the Holy Scripture from your childhood. And it was really cool because he said that he was living with his mom. His mom passed away, and he's living with his grandmom. He's been angry at God because of his mom dying this whole time. He said, you, I said, I, re, I read scripture, the whole, taught the Holy Scripture from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive, watch this, receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. See, that's the word right there. You know how to be made right with God? Salvation. By accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's how it is. I, a few years ago, I met a lady, it's been 15 years ago, I met her, we'll call her D, because that's what her name is. But D, D was a very fluent family. In our, and if I said the name of the, the business, you'd know exactly who I'm talking about, the, the, the family that's part of that business, but real fluent. And she went off to college and she did what a lot of you guys have done, us, we have done <laughs> when we go to college, right? We make some bad choices. And so she started drinking a little bit and started um, going to parties and, and doing all the things that, that unfortunately people do. And, but it got worse. And one of the things they used to do is they used to take, um, hotel rooms and they would rent whole blocks of hotel rooms and that's where they would have their parties at. So one of the things that they liked to do, which was weird as all get out, but they would like to steal stuff from the hotels. You know, you stole stuff from the hotels, the soap, right? The shampoo, shampoo. Anybody ever steal a towel? Nobody's looking at you right now, just me. And those cameras up there and the five police officers that are sitting in the back, nothing to worry about though. Okay. We got your back here. Right. She, so it was a contest. She stole a Bible. You know, a Gideon Bible. I don't know if you've ever been to a hotel. There's a Gideon Bible. There's a group called Gideons. They put Bibles in. She stole it. So they, a couple weeks later, they come back and they're, they're bringing their treasures, their trophies. And all of a sudden, she brings and she puts her Bible out, the, the Bible that she stole out on, on, on things. She goes, and everybody's like, that, that trumps everything. That's the winner. You stole a Bible. You're probably going to hell, but you stole a Bible. Right? Well, things got worse. And a couple months later, she found out she was pregnant. She realized she was an addict. She was going to probably have a crack baby if things didn't change. So things got worse and worse and worse. She was sitting in her dorm room, and she looks over on the nightstand, and there's that stolen Bible. The Bible that she stole that everybody thought was, was funny, there it was. And she said she remembered a preacher telling her one time, if you ever want to know about God's love, go to the book of John. So she started reading the book of John. She got to John 3.16 where it says, for God so loved the world. And she put herself in that world and she said that God so loves me that he gave his one and only son. And that night she gave her life to Jesus Christ. 
in her dorm room, not because of a preacher, not because of a song, not because of a Maverick City album. She gave her life to Christ because of the power of God's living, breathing word. That's why we need to make it rhythms in our life. Because when we read it, it changes. When we read, when we read it, it changes who we are to the core of our being. The Bible shows us how to be saved. See, the funny thing is, the world has an idea of what salvation looks like, and it's totally wrong. They think it's, it's something you earn. And God's word says, no, it's a gift from God. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you have done, so none of us can boast about it. The world's idea of religions, that they all go to the same place. I have friends from different religions. They go, oh, we're all going to be there one day. No, we're not. Not according to Scripture. Acts chapter 4 says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. One of my favorite passages in John 14, 6. And it just says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except for through me. That was the biggest dividing line between the religious leaders and everybody when time Jesus was walking the planet because he said, I am God. Well, the world idea of God, that God helps those who, who can't help themselves, right? Have you all heard that one before? God helps, those, or God helps those who help themselves. And that's just the opposite. God helps those who can't help themselves. That's us. I love the way David writes. You remember after the Bathsheba mess and all that, he said, I will praise you, Lord, all times. I will constantly speak his praise. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. You want to know something? We're helpless. I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many people tried to do it on their own for years and years and years and years, and it came to the point where you realized you can't do it on your own? That's helpless. You can't break the addiction. You can't break the, the anger. You can't break the resentment. You can't break the hurt. You can't break any of that. We need God because we're helpless. And it says, come, let us go to the Lord's greatness. Let's exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their face. In my desperation, I love that, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people. For those who fear him, those who fear him will have all they need. Man, that's powerful right there. Let me, let me give you another thing. Let's peer back a little bit more. Why we should get in the rhythm of reading God's word. Secondly, is that God's word shows us how we should live. Like how we should live in this side of life, what, what we should do with our lives. For, for 2 Timothy says this, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is, what's that next word? What is true? What is true? The things that are true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Anybody ever been scrolling through Facebook and, and you come across a preacher or it happened with me last week. Somebody sent me a video of a preacher that's preaching. I've never met the guy. I don't know who he is. I don't know what church he's at right now. But, but there was a couple things that he did and, and all of a sudden they're, they're doing this line dance and I'm like around the church. Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, this is weird. And then all of a sudden he started speaking and I'm going, this isn't true. Like what he's saying right now is not right. And I'm gonna say something, okay? There's probably been times when you've walked into this and you said, Bobby said something, that was really weird. And I don't agree with him. Can I tell you a secret? I don't agree with me 100% of the time either. Right? We'll handle it right, we'll talk to each other, we'll have a great conversation. But there was something, you know what happens when you know God's word? Do you know why at banks, 
how they teach you to know the difference between real and, and fake. They don't, they don't give you fake, they give you real. So you know what the real is. So the real feels a certain way. It bends a certain way. It's got a certain, it's got a certain grain. That way you learn. Because that way when you come across counterfeits, you go, that's not real. Well, let me tell you something. That should be how we are in God's word. When all this weird teachings out there and all the strange stuff that's going on in the world, we should be able to go, listen, we know what's real because we've read God's word. We know what it says in this. It's good for teaching. It's good for all those things. In the 16th century, a young monk, his name was Martin Luther. Anybody ever hear of Martin Luther? You, you should have heard him. If you're in church right now, you're in church because of something that he did. Martin Luther was climbing up the steps of a cathedral on his knees in Rome. And he was doing that as penance. He was part of a, 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 a denomination that that's what they did. They, they, you, you got saved by your works. And the more works you did, the, the better you were saved. But about halfway up the cathedral steps, he was reminded of a passage of scripture that's found in the book of Romans. And this is what it said. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplishment from the start to finish by faith, not by anything else. As the scripture said, it's through faith that righteous people or righteous persons have life. And it was at that moment he started talking and reading and, and investigating this. I'm not saved by works. I'm not saved by what I do. I'm saved by faith. And the Bible actually says, I can't even boast about it. It's something I can't even boast about. They kick him out of church. They throw him out of that denomination. And one of the greatest movements in mankind ever happened, the Protestant Reformation, because of that right there. Because of one person knowing the scripture that teaches us how to live. I was thinking about this all week. You know why the enemies of the Bible rise up? It's not because people read it, it's because people live it. And when you live it, it changes you. See, here's the deal. When you meet the Jesus of the Bible, it messes your life up. It changes you. I used to say this all the time. Show of hands, how many people have ever heard me say, it's the dangerous message of Jesus? So you've been around here any length of time you heard. And I had a young man, he was sitting over there one day, come walking up, came running up, actually goes, Pastor Bobby, like, what do you mean dangerous? So am I going to get a fight over it? And well, maybe. You're going to lose my life? Maybe not in this country, but if you go somewhere else, you may, right? And he goes, why is it dangerous? I said, here, and I sat down with him for a few minutes. I said, because when you love Jesus and know Jesus, it changes everything about your life. It changes the way you raise your kids. It changes the way you spend your money. It changes the way you go vacation. It changes your occupation. It changes the way you, you give. It, it changes everything. So it's dangerous because it changes you from the inside out. That's what people are afraid of. They're not afraid of this loving Jesus here. They're afraid they're gonna have to do something with it. The Bible, when we read it, changes us because of the Jesus in the Bible. Some of you should say amen to that. Let me give you the last thing. We'll close right here. God's word also tells us what to say. Now, when I, when I say that, I mean specifically what to say to the world. Because you know what? The church doesn't have a great reputation in the world that we live in. You know that, right? Because they know everything we're against. I've said it for years. They know everything we're against. Whatever the latest and greatest against is right now, you can throw it out there. Like, like now, like the church is against Stanley Thermoses. <laughs> really? I got one. I put it on there for $10,000, but I got one. Right? I got two of them old-fashioned ones. You know the ones your, your daddy used to have? 
I got dance. I used to take in the work. They're up there for a million each. Mom, we, we, go, we go back crap crazy over this. Can I say that in church? We go back crap crazy over the stupidest things, don't we? A couple years ago, it was a Starbucks cup. A red Starbucks cup that said, happy holidays. We went crazy. We had people, I, I brought one up on stage and I had my coffee in it. We had people leave the church. I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, I really don't. But it's like, they're gonna get mad at something else, Right? But you know what the Bible tells us? Listen to me on this. This is really important. The Bible tells us what we should say to the world. 2 Timothy 4 says this. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether in time favorable or not. Patiently correct. And I love that word patient. If you have an analog Bible, underline patient because that's not how we are. We're not, there's, there's nothing patient. We blow people up on Facebook that fast. We blow people up on Instagram that fast. I mean, we have canceling people left and right patiently, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That means you, you need to know God's word. You can't give good teaching if you don't know good, God's word. And it's for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. I think at times right now, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Now watch this. Work at telling others the what? Good news. Man, it just seems like there's a lot of bad news out there and the church has the good news and we're not sharing the good news. Why aren't we doing it? If we have the message of Jesus, he can change our lives. Why aren't we sharing that message? Why are we sharing all the other stuff? Why are we sharing the one style of ministry is better than another style? Or this, this song is better than, you know, or this preacher or this clothing style or this denominator. Why are we doing all that when he just says to share the good news? What's the good news? Let's simplify this. The good news is Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He purchased, he purchased. He was, a, he was, he was that, we talked about a couple of, propitiation for my sin. He paid for my sin. And because of that, I can spend eternity in heaven. I can have a great life on this side and I can have a great life on the other side. Why don't we tell people that? Listen, we can get to the heavens and the, all, and the hells and all that other stuff, but let's tell them why. Why is it a great life? Because Jesus is in it. See, that's what, the, that's what God's word does. It t- tells us what we should say. How many people have ever heard of a name, Chuck Colson? Anybody know Chuck Colson? Chuck Colson was part of Watergate. If you're my age, you probably know about it. Him and G. Gordon Liddy, another talk show host, were part of Watergate. And what happened at Watergate, they both went to jail. One went one direction and became very political and very antagonistic, and the other one became a believer. Chuck Colson became a believer and started what was called prison fellowship. He was very sought out after because his, his knowledge in politics, but he was also sought out of out because of his relationship with Jesus. But he got asked to come to this conference one time. And this guy, the CEO of this paper, was bragging that he was the one that got off, I think it was in Chicago, got all the Ten Commandments taken off out of the courtrooms and out of the school systems and prayer no longer did. And he was bragging about it. He said, Chuck said, What's the, why, why'd you do that? And he goes, well, listen, it's offensive to people of other religions. Okay. And so all of a sudden they went down another rabbit hole and the guy from the paper said, listen, our teen suicide rate is high as it's ever been in our city. Our, 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 our theft is all over the place. School, you know, teachers are like, hey, Chuck, what do you think we should do? You know, especially with this theft stuff. And he goes, well, why don't you put it on a wall? Um, something along the lines of you should not steal. The guy goes, that's a great idea. Sometimes it's not what we say. 
That's how we say it. But knowing God's word gives us the ability to say it. One of the things that I've learned is I don't have to quote a Bible verse to share God's word. We do this thing called All In. And it's at Lakeside High School. And we get to teach 80-something students something, leadership, whatever. But you know what always turns back around? Always comes back that, Bobby, you're a pastor. And what do you think about this? And they give me the liberty to tell them about Jesus. I don't have to quote John 3.16. I can live John 3.16. I can live the scriptures out. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.